afternoon. Happy Thursday. I'd say Friday, we're not there yet, are we? So um, this is <laughs> series three, episode three of our Traverse Talks podcast. Um, hopefully we've got some of you watching live on Facebook as well. So today we have a very special guest. We are joined by Yolanda Shed Osagade. Osagade. Yes. Osagade. I'm sorry, I was like prepping that in my head and crumbled under the pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to be having some really interesting chats with Yolanda today. So if anybody doesn't know, we've been living under a rock. Um, Yolanda is an intersectional content creator, influencer and a diversity, equity and inclusion marketing consultant. Um, also known from Hey Dip Your Toes In or Dip Your Toes In as you're known I believe on Instagram. Um, and we're also joined by Michael from the University. <laughs> Perfect. So I, I guess let's crack on. So first of all, Yolanda, how, how are you doing? How have you found this past year? That's a big question to start with, I suppose. But yeah, how are you? That is a weighty question. But <laughs> I mean, in the short sense of the word, good. Mm -hmm. In the long sense of the word, we're very interesting. <laughs> I think interesting has been, has been the word of the year. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Amazing. And um, so I guess to start, what what have you found kind of the biggest challenge, either personally or kind of with your with your channel over the past year? What's kind of been been those hurdles you've you've found? Um, you know, honestly, Charlotte, I think at the beginning of this, you know, I would say kind of the, I was think of the beginning of the challenging times, turbulent times. I was just really um, dealing with like this feeling of collective loss, um, collect loss of opportunities, loss of income, loss of community, loss of uh, that, you know, personal time with family, because I had no clue when I was going to be able, I, I thought I would be, probably be able to see like family within the next maybe four or five months. But it, I think the last time I saw my family was around the, the Antigua press trip, you know, that we all took. So it's, you know, from there, you know, I had to move into this feeling of like overcoming a bit of depression, um, finding ways to tap into creativity in new and very unique ways um, for us. Um, and also in a sense, going back to my roots. And, you know, I started teaching when I was 22, like directly out of uni. And I taught you know, high school and then I taught university and I did that for a good you know, 12 years um, overlapping doing my graduate degree. And I just kind of wanted to escape education. I never thought I would kind of really go back into that arena, but stepping into that from a content creator perspective has been really actually exciting and really fulfilling in many ways. And also it has connected me to, I guess, or expanded my, my, my whole like vision and idea about community. And I've been able to find that I've underneath that guise of education and uh, connecting with people that it's, it's just kind of led us not necessarily down a completely new path, but it's kind of opened up a whole new path, which has been, it's, it's honestly, it, it, I feel like it kind of saved me because my mental health was, it was struggling, honestly. I was really, really struggling and I needed something to kind of hold on to. And that, I feel like that aspect of tapping into my, my own personal creativity really, really helped. Yeah, I suppose kind of a big thing for a lot of people is that, that kind of losing that physical community. I know kind of we found it as well, you know, the traverse community when you can't be surrounded by people, you know, we're all social beings and kind of thrive off of working with others and being around others. And that's, that's really difficult to kind of channel that into a virtual space as well. Because um, I know you've kind of got a very engaged online community as well. I know we're going to kind of touch on later, but you've kind of launched your, um, you had your Hey Dick Your Toes In kind of masterclasses or courses or um, ways as well. So kind of maybe if you could talk to us a bit about that as well and, and how you found that, as you say, kind of struggling with creativity, but trying to channel that in a, in a productive way. You know, it was, so fu it was funny as I think about it because now it's been a year since I thought about this idea of creating like just like free education online, like a place where people could tap into the behind the scenes uh, process of creators and then learn something, like something actionable that they can learn within 
30 minutes. And so I started this whole like Instagram live and then also repurposed the content onto YouTube and it was called school days. And I imagine, I, I hoped it might be more than a season, but honestly the production aspect of it, it takes about 12 hours to produce everything on a weekly basis. So for each episode, it's just really heavy on time. Um, I just kept thinking, this is such a great way for me to one, learn from other creators. And then two, to put other creators that I love and another ones I, I want to even connect more with, put them in front of our own audience that loves to learn. And it was that kind of that first week of April that I was just like, I, I literally, I was walking around in a red robe and my hair was, I mean, it's already, you know, you see, it's already like doing its thing, but <laughs> I'm walking around in this red robe and my hair was a mess. And I was just like, what is this life? I, I, I honestly, I was just, I was just struggling because I'm just thinking of everything I lost. And it was just this kind of like aha moment, like, okay, what am I going to do with that? What can I create? What can I do? What can I do that is going to just wake me up a bit? Something that I can, I can give versus thinking what I've just lost. And sometimes I think we have to do that. We have to find ways that we can just give and give back to people because it wakes us up. You know, when we start to have this abundance mentality and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been sitting in this, everything in my sorrows. I need to just like, just go with it, go with the idea. And it was so much fun, like tapping into that. And then it just birthed into another course. And then, which was, you know, of, of course that one is like a paid option. Cause I'm thinking you got to find a way to monetize all this work that you're doing as well. And then it led into another course and each one was kind of like, you know, a, a big learning process but also just other like community centered um, freemiums as they, as the business, I hate those little business terms and salesy terms. I absolutely abhor them, but <laughs> for lack of better terms, for me, it's just events and gatherings and things like, like you guys do so well with Traverse, like you do such a great job of like getting your community together. And so I'm like, how can I, in a sense, do it in a way that we can connect with our own community that, also just kind of gets people to open up, share things that are going on with them. And so it's just, in a sense, it's kind of just birthed this whole other like ecosystem where people are learning and people are sharing and yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, sure. I know, I know we've done kind of lots of events, especially as Michael, Michael loves hosting events, don't you, Michael? Yeah. Well, it's, it's really, um, it's extraordinary. <laughs> hearing Yolanda say that, you know, these courses, which are now a paid opportunity and some where, uh, somewhere you can generate some revenue, came from wanting to do something to give back and, uh, or to, not even to give back, just to, to, to partake in the community and do stuff for other people. And I just think over the different companies and the different channels and content creators I know, and they, all of the best ones started that way. Um, and so many great companies did. And, and hopefully, you know, people feel a similar way about what we do at Traverse. We started this years ago, just doing meetups for a bit of fun. Um, and it was just to do nice stuff. And it is amazing when you do that. And then you get the opportunity to also earn some money off it. Because you think that like, you're not doing it for that. But what a lovely byproduct it is. So I'm really glad to hear that that's, that's been something you've been able to, been able to get a bit, of, a bit of money back for. Yeah, that's, that, honestly, that's always helpful. It's lovely to feel, I guess, like, like people want to learn from you or they want to invest into you because in a sense they're not investing into the product they're investing into you and so for me that was I, I take that very seriously and I'm always very much honored I remember um after a few episodes of doing the school days episodes and we had basically I said hey look this is free learning but if you want to contribute to either the creator or a, a cause that they feel very strongly about because each creator can come in and they can have a charity or a cause or something like that. And you can donate to the, the cause or you can donate to the creator. And I remember when like donations started coming in from people and I kept getting notifications and I was just, I was just literally in tears, just crying because, um, you know, for me, that was like such a big deal. Like people actually felt like this, this was of use when really it was a tool to help 
my own like mental health at home and hopefully to connect with others as well and help them learn during the time when maybe they've lost so much as well. So it, yeah, it, it all, in a sense, it all works together. And that's where I, I think I've seen during these really troubling times of people are willing to support one another, um, you know, not just by showing up, but also by reaching into their pockets. And, um, and that's a very, you know, that for me, I, I just cherish that. I think um, I think I think it's great to to see like how much so many people have done to help others out during this time. So whether it's whether it's donating, let's say donating is not donating, it's paying for a resource or 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 you know offering a donation, I guess you could call it, or coming up with amazing free resources or free events online or just you know saying look we're just going to hold an open Zoom if people want to come on and chat. Um, something I certainly didn't realize until after um, kind of the, what I would call like the darker period at the start um, was how much my mental health was suffering. And it was only when I looked back when I was like, shit, I was not normal me then. You know, I'm not the kind of person who has to switch off at four o'clock and go and nap. Mm. Um, or I'm not the person who, who walks away from dinner with my family because the conversation is getting too much. And all of this stuff was happening on a regular basis. And I, I think it's... Um, you know, these little bright spots that people have been able to add, it doesn't, it won't necessarily change someone's life and make, you know, make something amazing all of a sudden, but if you can just cheer them up for half an hour or just meet, give them one hour to look forward to in a week where stuff feels that tiny bit normal. Um, I think those things have been absolutely amazing. I know that I've, I looked at quite a lot of your lives um, before back in, God, nearly a year ago now. Um, and it was always great to see. And I love seeing the comments coming in on Instagram and all the little hearts and likes that people could chuck in. So, yeah, it was really great to see all that. And I guess thank you so much for doing this for everyone. I'm sure a lot of people would want to say that as well, but we're the two on the call now. So. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> so I have a quick question about, I suppose, linking to kind of the last year. And with your platform, then, what kind of changes has that undergone obviously kind of going being kind of travel food content creators what's what shift has that taken within the last year what's what's that look like for yourselves at hate it with hosen and can you tell us a bit more about kind of yeah maybe what you were before if we can say kind of before times and and kind of compared to what you've shifted to now perhaps yeah that's been a really interesting journey in this last year and a very massive for me it's, it feels like a very massive shift but also it feels very authentic mm -hmm. very natural and prior to you know this last you know kind of turbulent year calendar year let's say um we were solely focused on working with tourism brands working with food brands and you know dabbled in some like life like general and kind of generic lifestyle types of events and sometimes that not events but uh, brands and that could be products that could be um, services or apps or anything like that so it was quite quite wide um, but we were at some points we were trying to go quite deep in different verticals so of course travel as you know, this particular um, I'm sure people tuning in you know have been missing and you know we've we're all tuning in because we that's one thing that we have in common you know travel has stopped. So what do you do whenever travel, for the most part, almost disappears overnight? And so there were other things I found that there were other interests that we had and that I, and I had to personally take a lot of initiative because then with the loss of income that we had coming in through, you know, hey, dip your toes in, then Omo had to take on other work as a consultant. So we had to balance some of that out because it was such a dramatic shift of like five figure, you know, a higher five figure shift within the course of three months. So trying to make up some of that income, you have to think quite creatively. So, you know, now he's not being able to really focus on the business that we have. He had to go and continue to work and take on clients in the tech sector. So then I had to solely focus on building other sustainable modes and of income and focuses for hey dip your toes in. so there was a couple of different things that we did is we really i thought specifically really carefully about the clients that we were taking on that we could potentially reach out to and then maybe preserve those relationships for future of course and you know again if it's travel related they had no clue 
you know, they're like, well, budgets are frozen. There's nothing that we can do right now. We still would love to work with you, but we can't even promise anything at this point, but just know that we do want to work with you. So that's great. Put that to the side. Let's move forward. Um, so what, what else can we do that in a sense still connects with travel, still connects with people who have a love of travel, but not as not necessarily in the travel vertical. So we started focusing on like wine tourism, um, reached out to a particular app and started a basically a year-long partnership with them, creating content uh, every quarter. And that focused on visiting you know, the over uh, 200 vineyards that are open year-round in England. So we started doing that, and that has also been really great because then we were able to connect with vineyards, and then they'd want to purchase different photos from us or video footage. And so it kind of launched a whole other little ecosystem of content that we can do to the point where we're thinking, okay, maybe we should just launch a separate site and actually develop a whole business around this particular sector that is focused on domestic wine tourism. So that's thing, that's something that's in development right now that we're able to, we've been able to monetize, which has been really exciting. But then we also realized too, like from my own personal standpoint, I was getting asked to talk a lot about uh, diversity in travel. I was asked to talk a lot about DEI um, marketing. And I had already been doing that um, with brands since about two, 2017. But it, I never really put it forward you know, as a part of the overall packaging of what I do underneath Hey Dip Your Toes In. It was always something very separate. I had it very much kind of like separated on my LinkedIn profile, all that. But then I just said, you know what? This can actually fall underneath the same umbrella. So I started to develop that, started working with companies intentionally, scheduling you know, companies coming and asking to book workshops for you know, their internal um, team and even got to work with Google earlier this year. And that's been really great. So their, their travel, um, their travel vertical. So it's, that's been really exciting. Um, a lot of work, you know, in a sense, because it's like almost in a sense, it could be its own career, but um, you know, there, there's just lots of other little things that I've had to just kind of focus on, try to make sustainable, generate income, um, and also make sure that I'm really enjoying it. And then the community aspect was trying to connect with the community, providing um, a, a place and a space where people felt safe, especially after that tragic event, um, it's not even an event, let's say the tragic murder of George Floyd in late May. And that really brought up a lot of things that were going on in terms of like diversity and inclusion. And it felt really natural to talk about it from a travel perspective. So I was able to really connect with those things, even though it was a very challenging time, honestly, like it was laborious. I was mentally, physically, <laughs> all of the ease drained. I was just completely drained from it all. But I, I found that people needed a space to talk about allyship. Brands also wanted to know, how can I be a better ally? How, um, what can I do to be really clear about my diverse, our diversity KPIs when it comes to our internal teams and then make sure that we're translating that from you know, across all different verticals in our company from a marketing perspective, from advertising, so on and so forth. So that has been a whole other focus that's been really exciting to develop. And it's just something that every day there's, there's something new that's going on, but also challenging too, because we've had to tell brands, you know, from an influencer perspective that we don't want to work with them because in a sense, they are only looking at um, performative allyship and they're only looking to work maybe with us because we're black you know, think, simple, simple things like that. And they actually end up not being so simple. And you, you start to have to have like really hard conversations. So I think I might have jumped ahead on one of you on your, yeah. your question. And I'm a bit of a talker, so sorry. No, that's, that's perfect. There's a lot to unpack there as well. And, um, but sorry, I feel like Michael had a... Yeah, no, I was just, I was just gonna say, obviously, um, I remember uh, speaking to you uh, a lot last year, uh, Yolanda, and you helped me out personally. Um, which I'm so grateful for, and also us at Traverse with better understanding what we can do um, and what we can do better. But one question I did want to ask, um, do you feel that 
that what happened last year, obviously the, the, the murder of George Floyd, um, and then going forwards, do you think that a lot of the, the pledges companies were making and the talk, do you, do you find that that's stuck? Because I know from looking at a lot of the content creators that we know and work with back, then it was all, I'm never going to go on a press trip unless it has, and this was, this is predominantly the white content creators saying this, I'm not going to go on a press trip unless it has this kind of diversity. Um, you need to start calling every brand out. And then a few months later, it seems like they've stopped having those comments. Maybe like, I'm not saying they were only doing it because it was the right thing to do at the time. Maybe it was just more in their consciousness at the time. But do you find for brands um, and for people that you speak to, that that is something that people still care as much about now as they did when people were calling them out last June? Michael, you've just told a whole word right there, honestly. And I say that as a term of like, you've just hit the nail on its head. I, performative allyship is a major issue, like major. And you saw, you, honestly, I saw that from the beginning of whenever everything kicked off, let's say, and I, and I hate using that term kicked off. Let's just say when everything became very amplified, very visceral, very like in your face, right? Um, and right after everything began um, getting into a frenzy in terms of media and social media, immediately you're having companies that are releasing um, their black squares. You have influencer, influencers releasing their black squares. We had, I call it the great white awakening. White people woke up. And then they're like, oh, I didn't even realize that this stuff was going on. And then all of these other micro issues started coming up. You know, the um, pay gaps between black influencers and white influencers, you know, not just black influencers, in influencers of color, period. And so you have all these other little issues that started coming up. And then there was this like kind of hyper focus on black creators. And so I remember waking up and having almost a thousand notifications in Instagram and, you know, a few thousand followers overnight because I was shared in like loads of different um, um, creators, things about, oh, this is someone that you should follow. And then you, a lot of black creators like grew by like some group, 50,000, 100,000. I mean, some ridiculous numbers overnight. But a lot of those people, like you said, Michael, and what happens? There's this hyper like focus and attention on it. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to do better. I want to be a better ally. But then nine months down the road, it's, it doesn't exist. Like I can scroll through feeds and I can see the black square. I can see the times where they maybe posted a picture with, you know, another person of color with their black friend. And then you don't see anything else from there. There was no follow-up. And then it's even worse from the brand side. Because the brands, you know, communicated their diversity KPIs in out the gate. They came strong. And we got emails from CEOs and presidents saying, you know, we're going to do better. We're going to hire, uh, you know, more. Uh, we're going to, on our um, executive team, we're going to make sure there are more people of color. And it's very performative. And it was great to be able to have that hyper-focus for a moment. But Honestly, if it's not lasting change, it just is not sustainable. And one thing I, I remember about something Mandela said is that change happens. You know, change is not fast and it happens slowly and, and it happens over decades and generations. And, but it takes practice and, and it constantly takes practice. So it's like when you're learning a new skill that it does not come naturally to you, you have to practice it. And even if it's hard, you know, even you know, when you first learn to ride your bike and you're falling off, you're hitting the ground and your, your knees are all dirty, you got scabbed up, everything. It's like that. Like, but after a while, you get, it gets easy. And now, like, even if you don't ride your bike after however, no, whoever knows how long, months and months, you can still hop on your bike and not fall over, right? And that is a very generic example of learning something new or acquiring a new skill. But for some, when it comes to diversity, it needs to be intentional and it needs to be like that. I guess as well, interesting, you know, you're saying about kind of, um, at the time I was kind of this, this big wave of, you know, um, sorry, there is a Hoover that's just started going off here. I hope oh, I'm not kidding. Um, 
lost my train of thought now. Um, oh, in terms of kind of all those people following you at the time and stuff, and I guess in the long term, that's also quite harmful for kind of your engagement rates as well. If you've got all these people following, but then not engaging and not not interacting with your content, I guess that also then kind of harms your engagement. So actually, it's almost a, a double. Yeah, it's harmful. Uh, in fact, there was a creator um, recently who talked about it because she was you know, with everything that happened last week in the Asian American community in America, you know, with the violent murder of, um, how, how it was eight Asians, American, not just women, but um, of course, like six of the eight were women. Uh, and there was a creator that was talking about how violent it is whenever you have this surge of followers that only come for performative reasons to your platform and follow you, engage with you and say, oh, how great you are. And then actually just completely like disengage a month or two months later. And I really took what she said and, and like really chewed on it because it's happening to Asian creators right now. Um, and they're getting a massive surge of, of following because people are hyper tuned in to what is going on and they're trying to be supportive and being engaged. But then whenever the media cycle changes their focus and then they're attuned to something else, what happens? They just completely ignore what's going on. But it's for, for them, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Cause we're on to the next thing. But for those that depend on this type of engagement because they're already being um, stigmatized or they're, they've already lost out on so many opportunities because of you know their ethnicity or race um engagement is a massive thing so when you have those massive spikes of engagement i remember seeing like the line on my engagement was almost almost vertical like completely vertical it was insane during that period of time and then when you see the drop off like that it yeah. it's very much like it was very eye-opening and um yeah it's, it's not very encouraging to see honestly yeah, so I mean, I guess it's yes. There's not a lot we can really say to change people doing that, right? That people. The, what I would say is, if, if there's something which is important to you, it should always remain important to you. And but yeah, so I, I remember speaking to um, Eric Eric Prince, uh, who I know you know well, um, back in June as well last year. And I speak to Eric. Obviously, he's done a few uh, different chats and, and events with us as well. And um, not to trivialise anything that was happening, but we were talking um, about the way that people jump on a, a cause. And obviously this was so much more important than a lot of other ones, but we look back and we were just chatting, going back and we say, well, it was, you know, as the Amazon rainforest was the big thing that was on fire. Like that's not stopped. It's still there. It's just people have stopped talking about it. And then it will be the war in Syria, which is still going on. And for a moment, that's the huge cause. And I think people have this thing they want to jump on. Um, and it's, but that's, that's like, it's never not a problem to do it, but when it involves an entire community and a huge population of the world and people who have had it shit for so long, it, you can do more damage than good, I guess, right? By just leaving a few comments and then, as Charlotte was saying, stopping engaging. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing, like, realistically, we have to look at ourselves and say, how much, how much space can I hold for issues that are extremely important to me? And then also prioritizing ones that I should care about as well. And sometimes the ones that you should care about is the, the only separate, the only difference into why you don't care about it more is the lack of understanding and education. So if you bridge that gap, you become closer to it. So you have a closer proximity to it. So we have to learn how to do that effectively without overwhelming ourselves because it can be really heavy to every day you wake up and there's a new tragedy. There's a new issue that, you know, that should hold your focus and nothing should hold your focus unless in a sense, then unless you want it to, I mean, that, that's, that's what agency is about, right? We choose to be focused on the things that we want to be focused on to should we choose to care about the things that we care about. But then we're also dealing with things like cancel culture. We're dealing with, um, things that like if you say the wrong thing someone's going to come at you you know and and it can be very like intense and so sometimes people get paralyzed into inaction the amount of people during the George, George Floyd uh, uh, kind of like aftermath 
And then the protests that happened afterwards throughout um, almost up through July, the amount of, um, I would say, like white women that I had not talked to in a very long time, or ones that had kind of always been a bit on the fringes, but were supportive, that reached out to me and shared their like stories, but also ended with like, I don't know how to express this. I don't know how to say this like publicly. What are, what are things that I, I can do? You know, and still to this day, I still have conversations with some of these same people, albeit a bit more sparingly and with discretion, because honestly, it's, it's laborious. It's, it's exhausting to always be in those conversations. But, um, you know, one thing I just encourage people to do is that, you know, you don't feel pressured um, by what you see, like in the media. But if you feel like this is something you should know more about is like research it. And that's one thing we, we launched a series where we, it's called, so, so you want to be an ally. Let's talk about it. And it's just lives where I bring in you know, thought leaders, experts, and, or just like my homegirl down the block or something that just has a really you know, powerful voice that just needs to share something. Um, and it's all about allyship and coalition building. Because what I'm noticing about um, wanting to kind of jump on this whole journey about allyship, and this is something I've shifted over the, like, the last year as well, and trying to be more like intersectional, is trying to figure out like, you can't force allyship on anyone, right? And, but a lot of people say, oh, I wanna be ally, I wanna be an ally, I wanna do better. But now we, what sometimes you have to do is just like choose something and then like immerse yourself in it. You know, immerse yourself in that cause. If your cause is, you know, saving the environment and climate change, like then invest into it, but do it in a way where it's about coalition building and not so much like allyship because then it takes, it takes the performative part of it you know, the, the, the social media performative part of it and puts it into action where you're thinking, okay, what can I do? Like this, these are things that I can do to really support the community to do better. And what happens then is that you start to not feel the pressure to perform on social media and then you can hold space for other issues that come up and actually open yourself up to learning and not just going down that like rabbit hole of Google and social media. I would say is like, go away from like, um, you know, just trying to research online and, and finding it and being very like uh, reactive, meaning you read things, you see things on Twitter, and then you follow that, that link to that New York Times article or to that Guardian issue or God forbid, the sun. And, <laughs> you know, like you start going down that rabbit hole and it's like, just like buy books, find out like different book lists, um, watch documentaries, you learn that way. Yeah, great. So I think there's some some really good advice, and I think it's such a yeah such a great idea to really actually properly get into um, or to really read into a topic rather. So you say rather than just skimming it, right? Rather than skimming the headlines or reading the one article that pops up if you get tricked into a Sunlink or a Daily Mail by accident. Yeah. Uh, we've all oh that. my gosh yes <laughs> I had that the other day I was something popped up but it was actually about football and I was like oh this is interesting and then I realized two minutes in I was on the Daily Express and I just felt dirty so to get off it in there yeah. yeah I went back to something better um oh, can I say something really quick and I I did just say I, I kind of gave a negative connotation when I said god forbid the sun and I realized like I even know a really great editor on the sun and she's amazing i know people journalists that write for the sun and they do incredible work it's just sometimes there are publications that you read that that some you if you're tuned in to that side of maybe like an argument or some type of issue you might see a lot of negative headlines that maybe don't align with your own like um, value system or thoughts and so I was definitely thinking about it that way. But if anyone ever tunes in and you are writing for the sun and all that good stuff and you do really great journalism, kudos. Yeah. No, I think that's okay. I'm um I wouldn't have been so diplomatic in saying that thing. So <laughs> there is there are great people who work for all of those publications. Um publications themselves, I don't know what to be so great about. 
<laughs> Charlotte, we, we did want to, I know we've got, these are hugely important issues, Kevin. I don't want it to sound like we're trivializing by saying we want to move on and talk about other stuff, but we're really, really keen to talk about some other platforms with you and stuff like that. So um, obviously we, we want to talk for ages, but we do try to keep this around about an hour. So um, I hope you don't mind if we move on a little bit. Um, but Charlotte was going to chat a little bit about um, TikTok with you and some other platforms. Is that right, Charlotte? Yes. Yeah. Well, as you were saying, Yolanda, I know obviously kind of you've been hosting a lot of stuff on um, your Instagram and like IGTV and stuff. And I think in the first lockdown, I think I remember seeing some videos of you guys on TikTok as well, kind of when everyone was making those comedy sketches on TikTok. But, you know, now we've got TikTok, Clubhouse, Instagram Reels. Do you feel that, you know, there's almost too many platforms? I know a lot of creators kind of, feel very stressed and almost burnt out the thought of all of these platforms and as a side note to that as well kind of what do you think is, is the benefit of having all of these in terms of reaching new audiences and how can we support your existing platforms i guess i i'm gonna say i love the fact that there are so many different platforms you know like it is this I don't know, it's like having as many different toppings as you want to put on a pizza, yeah. but you can really just choose the ones that you want. If you like pineapple on your pizza, put it on there. I mean, so it's, okay. it's that's what I love about the variety and depth of these different platforms. What can get overwhelming is when you start to impose pressure on yourself to feel like you need to spread yourself thin to be across all of these different platforms, when really you need to think about what is what do I own? And that's your hand, right? So that's like your blog or whatever other, you know, digital media that you own, that you pay for. And then what are the fingers on that, that you can put content across? And that's when I start to get kind of stressed out about being on platforms, because I almost fell into that kind of like cycle of feeling like, oh, you know, when we started to lose steam on doing stuff on TikTok, because we were doing I, I was primarily putting stuff across on IG, mm -hmm. then I was like, you know what? I, I'm just not going to do it right now. I can't focus on trying to put across stuff on TikTok right now. And yeah, I might miss out on opportunities. And I have. I've had brands that come and said, you know, what is your TikTok following? What is, you know, can you put this across on TikTok? And I said, if you want a hundred people to see it, like, I mean, that's, we probably have about that many followers. I was like, we're not focusing on building our TikTok, but I can connect you with creators that are. So knowing when an opportunity isn't for you and passing that on, you know, paying it forward to someone else, that would just kill it. Like that would just do an incredible job at it, you know, with the platform that they want to use. But when it comes to platforms, I'm like, don't stress yourself out. You know, choose that one platform that just feels very natural to you and then try to then disseminate the content, other content across other platforms that seem to flow very easily with it. So like for us, it, it's just, it just didn't make sense to feel like we should focus on trying to build TikTok right now. You know, like we just didn't have the mental energy anymore. We use TikTok to do like funny videos and it, for us, it was part of our own mental health in the beginning. Like we, we just wanted to laugh and be silly and make other people laugh. And it was really fun, but we could not keep that same energy all throughout lockdown. Like it just did not come, let's say not through all throughout lockdown, all throughout the many lockdowns we've had. Yeah. So we cannot keep that same energy up. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I think it's just, you just really have to focus on those platforms that come with a bit more ease yeah. and it's very natural to insert into your ecosystem of, of content distribution. I think there's a fine line as well between kind of not having all your eggs in one basket. So, you know, kind of spreading yourself across a couple or a few different platforms and also just, you know, that's the thing with social media, isn't it? You see everybody doing all this amazing stuff and kind of TikTok and, and on reels and being really creative and it's, it's trying to get that balance between kind of having your own spin on it, but also not overwhelming yourself with all these different, all these different platforms and stuff. Um, I guess that leads us into, you know, a lot of people that kind of come to the traversings. We've, we've known a few people that have started in this past year with their blogs or their social media and um, like channels as well. What advice would you have for them in terms of kind of finding your niche or finding your voice in what is kind of a very saturated world at the moment yeah you know is sometimes you just have to take a moment mm -hmm. to just breathe and reevaluate um take take breaks like you you cations <laughs> and 
and just focus a bit on you. Like what are your interests? And if you're struggling to get some creative motivation, then you really, sometimes, sometimes people just like to power through and others need to actually just like sit back and like do something else. Like for me, I'll do things like, um, I started thinking, or thinking, let me just grab this. I started thinking around with vintage cameras again, cause I love photography and I love old cameras. And so this one belonged to my great grandfather and it was just really fun to just do something quite, quite different and stuff that I knew didn't have like this end result of necessarily being seen. Like it was just for me and it wasn't for like anyone else. And maybe even just to kind of share a bit with my family and talk about it. But I would say sometimes you just have to do that. You have to pull back. You have to sometimes pull back even from social media and maybe not being so visible all the time. Um, you know, if you're a volume um, creator, meaning like maybe you've hired people, uh, you have like a team of people behind you constantly producing stuff, then it's, your downline should be really organized to the point where you can be able to pull away and take care of yourself a little bit more and allow them to like work and do that work. So in it, when it comes to finding your voice is that you, the thing is about finding your voice, you need to take time to do it. And you, sometimes you have to read into other interests to then connect with the parts of your voice that have been lost along the journey. Mm -hmm. What I was saying to you before, before we kind of went live on this as well is, um, a lot of your kind of branded partnerships and stuff are just very kind of authentic. They feel very in your own voice as well. Do you have any tips on kind of how you, how you sustain that? I suppose a lot of people with kind of partnerships, you know, when you scroll through Instagram and there's a lot that don't look very authentic at all. And it's kind of, here's this, you know, paid, paid product that we've been paid to promote or whatever. Kind of any tips on, on that and how you keep it kind of authentically in my kind of Hey Dip Your style? Definitely. Um, there are a couple things that we use when I think kind of parameters mm -hmm. like for, or even a barometer for success of like a campaign or a partnership is if we could see ourselves being fans of the brand or service um, a, a year or two years ago. And if we could see ourselves being fans and users of the product service, whatever, two years after that point so it all needs to kind of fit together does it fit into our lifestyle is it quite natural like i know that i'm not going to be able to I, i'm not i i know that like for instance or i remember a brand approaching us about um being like oh it, you guys are in this is like at the start of lockdown um when i was doing a lot more exercise can't say i'm doing that right now and <laughs> And there was a brand that came and was like, oh, we'd love to partner with you to show like fitness attire and stuff. And it would be quite natural because you guys are doing a lot of at home content. And I'm just like, look, that as much as I might love to say that could be great, it's a paid collaboration, that's a no. Um, it's just not gonna come as natural. Yeah. You know, it's not gonna, the message is, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be communicated in a very natural, authentic way. I just didn't, feel that because I was like, one, I'd never really ever seen that brand before. It didn't, it didn't feel like a natural fit. And so I was like, well, but you should partner with so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so and provided them with a list of people they could partner with. Then I think, yeah, that would be a great fit for you guys. So a lot of it comes into, you know, like I said, those different parameters, but also things like we just had a talk with a, um, a brand, a domestic tourism brand, and we asked them about their di diversity KPIs. Like, is we said it's really important to for us to partner with brands that have diversity, you know, um, as like a um, key performance indicator. Like, it, that needs to be really clear. And I said that's not something I was um, just telling Omo. I was like, it's not something we communicated before, but. In this last year, we found that that is extremely important. So, yeah, that's something we communicate now. And if a brand is not willing to meet us there, like for instance, too, we've come across contracts where a brand has said, "Oh, we don't want you to talk about anything political or 
like race or anything contentious and we're like "Mm -mm, no (laughs) it's not gonna work (laughs) like it's not gonna work for us like you need to do you have you looked at our profile (laughs) like we i think i don't know who you addicted to something else but not to our profile because like that's all we talk about seriously like we go in but we're intersectional so we talk about food we talk about travel we dance and then we talk about we might talk about um biden harris then we might talk about what's going on in america and what's talking you know we talk about boris johnson like we talk about it all but it's all together those are all of our interests and if a brand doesn't like it then it's, we're just not a good fit so we need to mm-hmm. you know, peace out yeah um so just on that on that point of kind of when people have got disclaimers in the, the agreements with do you think that's ever okay so we, we've worked with a few destinations in the past where they've had certain things that they don't they don't want focused on now it's not in a negative way um i don't know how much i should be saying about specifics of the brand but so we work with a destination which is more typically known for its gambling and casinos and they wanted to really focus on the food and culture so they said look for these videos and the the blog posts um it's really important that they're not talking about that side of it we were okay with that because we thought that's not a it's not a, a bad law it's not something which is um like a suppressive regime or some you know, some people have been to certain destinations, um, which I have looked at and been very surprised that they're being promoted. Um, do, do you think it's ever okay to do, for instance, to do what we did in that instance? And it's fine to say, no, we don't, we don't, we know not everyone agrees with us. Or do you think that it's always really important to be able to say exactly what we want on a, uh, um, or on a partnership? Such a great, there's nuance to that. And I think that's so great that you brought that up, Michael, because it, just because they say, oh, we don't want the content to necessarily focus on that, doesn't mean that they don't want any of that, you know, they want your content to be devoid of your own authentic voice. So sometimes we've had to go back to a brand and actually like clarify. And like, for instance, there was a brand that um, wanted us to produce something that was going to come out around the elections uh, in America. And I'm like, I'm American in, this is a UK brand, but I'm, my for me not to say anything and tie this tie this particular product into that like it just doesn't work and they're like okay they're like that's fine can we just push the campaign a little later then and i was like that's fine you yeah. know it's like it just it can't come out this week because i'm trust like the, <laughs> what i'm going to talk about i'm going to tie it together and i was like it might even do better and they're like yeah, you're right. We might think about that for the future. Obviously, they didn't want it. They just didn't want it to have any kind of like political overtones. Mm-hmm. And um, but we had a conversation about it. And I think a lot of it is about the conversations, breaking down the nuance, and really seeing do our values align? Are they okay with that? And I think it's completely fine, like to say, yeah, okay. When maybe we can't have this group of creators like talk about. Um, everything political during this because just actually it doesn't really work with the messaging of the campaign but if you have a creator that that's all they talk about is activism on their platform then it might not they might not be the best fit for the campaign and they should know that they should really know that we know that we're intersectional so we're very timely so if something is going on in the world and we're talking about it we can't just be like oh here's this really beautiful ad content and we're not going to say anything we're not we try to make connections so that our audience is not like wait what's that that's weird kind of thing so we we try to bring it bring it all together but like you said michael like you know well i know you didn't say about nuance but i think it's what you were talking about it's just like is that okay absolutely it's okay and i think it's about having those conversations yeah great yeah i think um there's been a lot of people we've seen, not just in the last year, but ever since I've done this, where it's just, they'll randomly be like a place advert that just seems so out of place. Mm-hmm. And you think that like, you don't know whether to, I don't want to say blame, whether to put the responsibility on the creator or the brand for that, because the brand is clearly not doing their research and looking at who they're working with and what fits. Um, and then the creator, I mean, I, I never really want to judge people for that because you don't know what kind of financial situation they're in. You don't know if that enabled them to get food or make rent. So I think it's it's not fair to fully judge that, but sometimes I do a little bit anyway. <laughs> I know I'd like to think I do. I don't publicly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, I, th- I think it's great to to be able to go and say to a band that this you know this won't work. And as you said about the the people who are coming to you back in I guess it would have been November um, that 
um, you know, this won't work this week, but we can do it later. And they should they should be really thankful that they're working with people who can have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And we certainly will be. I know that myself and Charlotte go to a lot of people quite often. We have done a lot over the last year because we're doing a lot of smaller content campaigns. Um, and it's been great when people have come back and said, this will actually go really well a little bit later, or I've got this different idea. And sometimes it's been outside of what we've agreed with the brand. Um, actually, to a big enough point that we now put in agreements with brands that if we have a better idea, we'll bring it to them as we're going. So even after we do a contract, because some of the stuff we've had has been great and we don't want to miss out on an opportunity just because we didn't think of it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a really good advice to give to people too. Definitely. I was just saying, like, don't be afraid to have those conversations, like to really be transparent. And that's one thing why I, I um, it's something I teach one of the newer courses that I launched this, um, this year, and this is not a sales pitch, but it's just, you know, naturally how I'm just thinking um, about it was that have conversations, schedule calls with brands. Like there's like the worst thing you can do is just have all of this go back and forth through emails. So like get on the phone and, and talk through some of your ideas and explain why, um, even though they may want the content to go out on this particular date, why maybe that just won't, won't work and walk them through like what you envision and how their content will perform even better potentially if you were to adjust those adjust those dates or adjust the the messaging of how you talk about um, their particular like brand service product whatever yeah great and we have had a question come in which kind of feels like it's a good point to bring this up um, so this can be we just said um, have you ever started um, to like started a new idea or started to pivot and it failed um, and if so, how long did it take you to figure out it wasn't working? Um, and, yeah. so. um, absolutely. I, I've had lots of careers over my 42 years and I had a dance studio before. So this isn't necessarily, I've always been some type of content creator. I've always produced content. I've always been in photography and film um, since, I, since I was a teenager. But I had a photography studio and a dance studio. I had quit my job because I was making a lot of money through it. The recession hit and I had to completely pivot because I lost 60% of my student base almost overnight within one month. So it, it was a massive like redirect and, re, and, and change. And sometimes what we need to do is that we have to, when we hit those like, failure points is not get so wrapped up in the failure, but like take what we can learn from the failure and then apply it to the next idea and the next like time you put yourself out there and not get paralyzed because I, I honestly felt a bit paralyzed. Like I was like, I don't want to ever go into business for myself again. No, 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 no. Because it was such a hard hit, like in my twenties, like it was just, it was, it was difficult. And I, you know, had, I had all these fees on a commercial lease cause I had to break the lease and it was, it was terrible. Like it was a terrible financial situation to be in and um, just terrible for my mental health as well. So yeah, I think when it comes to pivoting and failing, it's okay to fail because the next opportunity, the next, you know, goal that you're going after, you have all of that knowledge, you know what not to do, you know how to like foresee, you know, potential things that might happen. Like think about this last year, y'all, like the things we've learned in this year, I mean, I think we're set up, like <laughs> we're set up for the next 15 years. Like if we don't learn from what has just happened in this last calendar year. So Definitely. I think you have to just take everything that you've learned and apply that into the next situation and allow it to be like a springboard versus just kind of like reacting to everything like spring forward. Like how, and how can you do that effectively? Brilliant. Yeah. I think, um, from a personal point of view, um, Traverse isn't my first business and, um, I've learned so much more by failing than I have succeeding. And the, the companies I've done, which have, or the projects I've started, which have been okay, um, haven't really learned anything that's helped me in the future. Uh, but the ones that have either failed brilliantly, like just terrible ideas, or ones that I was kind of 5% away from a success, um, I've certainly found I've, I've learned more from that. And I'm continuing to. Like not, not everything we do at Traverse right now is a success. And we, we try a lot of different things. And, um, we, but we learn from everything. And I think it's really important that people should realize when they 
when they do try something that doesn't work, it's, that's not a waste of time. It's, it's just a time you've learned how not to do something in the future. Yeah, that's such a great point, Michael. I love that. That's, that's wise thinking, a wise one. <laughs> you don't always feel that way at the time, though, do you? No, but, never. I'm loving my life. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, give me a drink, please. <laughs> so we are, um, we are coming towards the end, kind of, of our time. So we do it. We've got a few minutes, um, if you're okay to, to chat for a few minutes more. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? Um, what do you think is out there in the future for content creators? Obviously, we're, we're hopefully emerging from a relatively shitty uh, year or two at the moment. Um, what do you think it's going to be like in a year? Oh goodness, a year. I mean, one, I think, I definitely feel like travel is going to come back better, even better than ever. Like I think in the sheer number of people that are going to want to be traveling. And I think they're, I think we've lost people too. I think some people are just never going to really feel comfortable traveling again for, for, for some time. But the people who are very comfortable and confident about travel will be traveling like crazy. And I think from a content creator perspective, that allows so many options, I think, too, because we can position ourselves to work with so, excuse me, so many different brands and not just, and not just it focused on specifically travel brands. I think we have to learn to like diversify our incomes. And I think that travel creators and just content creators in general, like I think this next year is going to be all about like diversifying income. Like I've seen people launch courses and products and Patreon groups and stuff that I would have never expected to see before. And that's been awesome. You know, and, and sometimes it's a little overwhelming and sometimes you're like, did they really do that? But sometimes it's like, yes, like seriously, you're telling everyone to like go and sign up. So that's been really exciting. And I think we're going to see more of that. And I think we're going to see a lot more intention behind content creators and content creators not being afraid to like speak up and speak their minds and, and, and really be really clear about their interests, you know, socially, um, from like a social justice perspective, from, you know, an activist perspective and whatever, because everyone's form of activism looks different. And so that's really exciting too, that we're going to see a lot more crossover and a lot more authenticity. Yeah, lots of exciting things in the pipeline, we hope. Yeah. And what about from you guys at Hey Dip Your Toes, for you and, you and Omo, what's anything exciting that you can share with us in store for the next year or beyond for yeah, um, or kind of more of the same you've been discussing on this, on this episode with us? Yeah, there's, so, goodness, it feels like <laughs> so much. Um, I feel like that we have kind of like, that we, we have in a pipeline, lots of brand work, of course. Is, and that for us is like, one thing that we want to do is actually pull away a bit from doing so much um, like branded content kind of stuff and doing a little bit more, like developing the educational arm of and community arm of our business. And so that's what we're looking at. We're um, also like in the prospect of um, hiring more of like a, not necessarily a full-time graphic designer for the business, but like someone who, cause I've always done all the graphic stuff myself as so I just want to be able to like push that on to someone and, you know, working with them throughout the week to create like all of our educational content. So that's been really fun to start to work on that and um, kind of do a bit of a, a bit of a rebrand um, in terms of like the new look and feel and communicating our community values through Hey Dipper Tosen. So that's really exciting. And then launching the, you know, wine tourism business that we, we kind of have, we've been brewing and working on since um, last quarter, last, last year. And yeah, I'm trying to think of other stuff like working, we're working on a, um, a pitch for a foodie show right now, which we're really excited um, for a production company. So that's been really exciting to be working on that in the background. So, yeah, so there's like lots of little things that get us excited, but also just kind of like doing it on our time and feeling a lot more in control of our time versus before I felt like we were very kind of reactive, like we were reacting to opportunities. And now it's about, okay, let's create some opportunities, but then let's also like respond 
to other opportunities that are being presented. So that's um, great. We took on management as well, which we had always said we were never going to do. But um, that's been a change as well. But it's also it's actually been really great for us to feel like we have someone on our team that can work and ne negotiate um, contracts when I was doing all of that myself. So I think a lot of it has been about really looking to my own mental health, figuring out what I really have time to do and what I love to do, and then kind of siphoning that off so that I can just really enjoy content creation more. Yeah, because I suppose that's the exciting part, isn't it? You know, all the kind of contracts and admin that can kind of drain your creativity, I suppose, as well. So it's getting down to what you love and yeah. what you're so good at as well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Cool. So we are um, pretty much coming to the end of the time that we had to chat. So thanks so much, um, Yolanda. And I was wondering, if you, before we finish, if you could just let people know where they can find you, so your social media websites and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, on our blog and website, you can find us at heydipyourtoesin.com. And then across social media, you can find us on Dip Your Toes In. So yeah, we'd love to connect with you there. Also, we have a course, uh, several courses on our academy website, which is um, H-D-Y-T-I, so it's the acronyms of HeyDibertosenAcademy.com. So you can go there and find out more information about courses there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And always feel free to slide into our DMs. I'm always down for a good conversation. Perfect. Thanks so much. Even if you did say that people who put pineapple and pizza are okay. I yeah. <laughs> today's discussion um we will put the uh the links for um, everything you just mentioned in the description um, of the podcast and on the description of the youtube video as well so you can look below i guess on both of those cool so thank you so much Elena. really appreciate you spending some time this afternoon i can't wait to see you in person very soon hey it was such a pleasure thanks for having me and always great to connect with you guys and support this incredible community that you guys have built at traverse thank you have a lovely afternoon we'll speak to you soon <laughs> bye, bye. bye. bye.